Welcome to Stories We Don't Tell, a podcast about storytelling. Stories We Don't Tell is a monthly event in Toronto that features candid stories of strength and resilience. I threw out my prayers, they went flying like balloons. The air whipped our hair, we went shooting down the valley. Knuckles gripped upon the handles, shivers rushing down my spine. What's the plan? So this story starts with me telling you that I get nervous when I have to meet new people. Uh, I get nervous when I meet new co-workers, when I'm trying to make new friends. Uh, I get nervous when it's a different guy making my sandwich at the deli. (laughs) My chest gets tight, I don't speak, because I am certain that new people are specifically looking for reasons not to like me. And I've been this way all my life, so it doesn't really bother me anymore. But it does make dating hard, and that sucks. (laughs) So often I'm just waiting on someone else to make the first move, and that can be lonely. Uh, But every now and then someone does find you. And this one person who found me met me in university, and and she sort of shook me out of my nervousness, almost literally. And it was kind of awesome to feel like someone didn't need to look for reasons to like me, they just liked me. Uh, Maybe want to take better care of myself, just kind of deserve that leap of faith. And I move pretty slowly, kind of the way a computer moves slowly when you turn it on for the first time in a while and it needs to run all the updates. (laughs) But we started hanging out and she would take me around and she would force me to meet new people until I started getting just a tiny bit better at it, good enough to pass. So much so that I was able to get through situations that I never could have before. Kind of like what I'm about to do now, which is tell this room of people a story about having sex. (laughs) So bear with me, we're going to get through this. Uh, About a month into dating, we are in her apartment and we're having the aforementioned sex. Uh, It's not the first time, certainly not the last time, but it's early enough that it it still feels very new. Uh, Exciting. It's never been bad, but this is extra special, very, very not bad. (laughs) And we're going along, we're doing our thing, when all of a sudden her bed breaks. The actual frame splits in two. And she and I have very different reactions to this. She is understandably upset that her bed is in pieces. Uh, We're students, neither one of us has a lot of money, and a bed frame, even a cheap one, is a big expense. But I, on the other hand, am over the moon excited that we have just accomplished something I have only seen in the movies you find on city TV at one in the morning. We sexed a bed apart. It is so much more important than anything else I have accomplished in my life today. But she's upset. Uh, The bed, it turns out, was a gift from her mom, uh, and it's new. New enough that we could probably return it to the store. But the purchase is on her mom's credit card, which means her mom would have to make the return, which means showing the bed to her mom, and she makes it very clear that that will not be happening. So we take the mattress off, and I look at the bed frame. It's dark, I don't have my glasses on, but I think I understand how to fix it. There's a, there's a big bolt that was holding together two arms of the frame, and we've somehow managed to shear that bolt in two. So I say, no problem. Speaking with the undeserved confidence of a man who believes his penis can snap steel screws. It's an easy fix. We'll go to the hardware store, buy a new bolt, swap out the old one, and your bed will be good as new. And she gives me this dubious look, 
but it's clear that she wants to believe it's that easy. So we put the mattress on the floor and go to sleep. And when we wake up, I think I'm the happiest I've ever been. It's, it's, it's like this perfect, warm, sunny day in July, and we're both excited just to be with each other. And I measure the bowl, and she makes breakfast, and she has this amazing kitchen that lets in so much sunlight. And we just sit around eating French toast and laughing and sharing stories, and I think that maybe I'm cured. Because I'm very calm. And I never thought I'd feel that. So we clean up, we go to the hardware store, buy the new bolt, come home, and I sit down with a wrench and try to pull out the old bolt that is still stuck in one of the arms of the frame. Only now the lighting's a little better, and uh, I have my glasses on, and I see that the situation is different than it appeared last night. <laughs> the old bolt is not just a standard issue screw, it's, it's custom made for the bed, and it looks like maybe it's fused directly into the frame. So one of the reasons I will end up falling in love with this woman is that she lets me sit there in her living room for 20 minutes as I pretend to fiddle with the wrench, even though I know it will not move that bolt. As I begin to panic, realizing that no, I am definitely not cured because what I'm feeling now is definitely not calm until she asks if I could use a hand. So I'm trying to stay calm uh, and I explain what's going on and, and her face just falls and, and we spend a few minutes discussing options until we decide we're gonna have to go back to the hardware store. So I disassemble the frame and I take the arm with the broken bolt and I walk into Wiener's Home Hardware wearing a Spider-Man t-shirt and last night's socks and I try to find someone who I can discreetly ask about how to fix this. And my opening line to the kind bearded store clerk is, uh, so I have this model I'm working on. <laughs> and he doesn't stop me. So I, I go, I, I'm, I'm working on this model and, and as you'll see here, the bolt just snaps. And the guy takes the frame from me and, and he looks at it and he, and he kind of sighs and he goes, okay, well, you need to drill it out with an extractor bit. And I think this is very good news. I, I have a power drill or my dad has a power drill. But I can totally fix it. So I say, sure, show me where I can buy an extractor bit. And he kind of looks at me. And I get that tension that comes from meeting new people and feeling judged. And he gives me the once over and he goes, uh, no. <laughs> and I say, I'm sorry. And he says, well, no, you, you need an industrial drill and a machine shop and safety gear and years of experience. And, and what he's really saying is, you need to not be wearing that Spider-Man shirt right now. <laughs> So I'm getting desperate, and I, and I say, listen, I, I really have to fix this. Is there somewhere I can rent an industrial drill or like a machine shop where someone can do this for me? You know, cheap. And he thinks about it, and he says, well, there's a Midas around the corner. <laughs> and I say, a Midas? <laughs> like the auto body shop, like the place where they fix cars. And he goes, yeah, they got all sorts of drills there. Just tell them I sent you. So I think about this really carefully, and I determine that the only thing I can say is, okay. <laughs> and as upset as I am about this development, my partner is doubly upset. But, but now I'm determined. We're not going to let this thing beat us. So we walk over to the Midas, and I go in and I breathe deep, take in my surroundings, and I approach the desk. How can I help you? Okay, so this is going to sound a little weird, but I was just at the home hardware, and the guy there said, you might be able to help me. I have this model, and the bolt snapped, and it's stuck. And he said, you might have some drills. He, he takes the piece of bed frame from me, and he's completely unfazed, and he examines it. He, he turns it around in his hands, and he holds it up to the light, and he purses his lips, and he says, I can't drill it. And my heart sinks. But, 
he says. I can torch it out. <laughs> so I say, I'm sorry. And, and he goes, yeah, we heat it up with a big torch, get it nice and hot, hit it with a hammer, and the bolt pops right out. And I think about this carefully, and I say the only thing I can say, which is, yes, please do that. <laughs> And as I'm waiting, I do not feel good. Uh, I'm anxious, and I, and I think that I should probably just run away. Leave the bed frame there, never see this woman again, just kind of get away before I can really embarrass myself. Because everything up until this point has been tolerable. I can live with this, but there's a distinct possibility that this can go wrong, and I might never feel that calm again. But he comes back, and he's holding the bed frame, and the bolt is gone. There's now a clean, round hole, perfectly suited for a three-quarter inch bolt that Wiener's Home Hardware sells for 46 cents a pop. And sure, there's a gigantic scorch mark all around the frame, but that's just fine. <laughs> and when my partner tells this part of the story, she says that I burst out of this mining, Midas holding the beam above my head like Bender in the final shot of The Breakfast Club. <laughs> and I will see this bed frame again many times. Like when a second bolt snaps and I try to fix it with a creme brulee torch. <laughs> and then I won't see it again for a while. And then I will see it two years after we've broken up, when I help her move as a favor to my friend. And when I lay eyes on it, after all that time, I'll get really sad because we had this amazing adventure and we overcame this bizarre obstacle. But I will see that bed frame one last time. When I come over to watch an episode of Orange is the New Black, even though we both know I'm not there to watch Orange is the New Black, <laughs> when the final remaining factory installed bolts snap in an unexpected blaze of glory, <laughs> and I tell myself not to feel nervous as I walk up to the guy at Ikea and ask him to show me where the bed frames are. Thank you. way deeper this voice <laughs> this voice it's for you nice no Paul. problem yeah great um i kind of want to try to talk in this whole voice sometime but i think i'll forget at some point yeah it'll i think you'll get excited the and stop that's yeah. what i think will happen do you think it'll be weirder for the audience if my voice changes randomly in the middle of this no i mean john finn lost an accent halfway through a story once well he gained it back too Oh, yeah, he gained an accent. Yeah. Well, he lost a Canadian accent. Right, and gained a Scottish one. It was confusing for people. Yeah, it was weird. Um, Great. Should we? Okay, so. I'm Stefan Ostetter in the ad voice, or creepy ad voice, if you're Paul Dore. I'm Brianne. And this is the Stories We Don't Tell podcast. And he's going to talk like that. He's, he's going like, <laughs> to talk like that for you, Paul, until he forgets that he committed to doing the entire podcast in that voice. I yesterday I tried to do a different I tried to do a different voice for this, for a long time, uh, and then I ended up just being southern. It was not what I was going for, but it, I lost track of it halfway through. Yeah, accents get away from you if you're not. I'm just not good at staying in character. Yeah, I know. I'm terrible at, at that. Okay, well, great. So we just heard a story from Jake Babbitt. And in this story, he fixes a bed. Yes, because that's the whole story. Yeah, I just want to, so we all know, that's what we just heard. You fi like, in case you weren't clear at the end of the story, if he fixed it or not, he did. 
Well, and then at the end, okay, you, yeah, you guys heard the story. The yeah, bed has to be replaced, bed. ultimately. Yeah, true. But years later. Yeah. So I still, I still think Kent is fixing the bed. Yeah. He delayed the death of the bed. Yeah, definitely. So what we're going to talk about today... Is that Brain and I have an argument. Yes. We, well, we have contrasting visions about the way that Jake gets you on his side not even that i think like I, i'd argue that so we're not even have we're gonna argue about what the argument is about yeah great. um i uh this is why it's an argument i think we just have different terms in our heads yeah we'll, we'll we have find different out. We'll success metrics right now yeah so basically we both think jake is really likable in this story yes uh and we both think jake is good at some part of storytelling uh which leads to him being likable in this story uh, and we disagree in what aspect of storytelling Jake is currently succeeding at in this story to make himself likable. Is that a reasonable statement of facts? I think so, yeah. Okay, so make your case. Okay, so I think that where Jake excels is that he brings you inside the thing, like he sets the stake, the personal stakes high in the story. So he's good at setting stakes so that you are, as a listener, are like feeling that with him and then rooting for him. So in this story, the example that comes to mind for me is when he's like, the guy told me no, but what he really meant was that I shouldn't be, that, that I shouldn't be wearing the Spider-Man t-shirt. Some, that's a paraphrase of Jake. And it's like, oh, I really, like that is a very concise example. Instead of telling us what he means, he's showing us, which is wonderful. And like, that's a really concise example where I understand how high the stakes are for you personally in this moment. Like why you're so committing committed to succeeding and also the feeling that's leading to that i'm feeling that feeling with you that is why i think that i root for jake okay so my argument uh is that jake is really good at making himself likable okay uh, and that's his actual success his success is that he gets you he get he successfully conveys himself as an likable character in the story uh, and then leads us to rooting him throughout the story. Because I would argue that you could be very good at setting the stakes, but if I hate you, I don't give a shit about whether you match it, whether how many the stakes are high, mm-hmm. right? Like if you if you're just a jerk in the story and you're bad at conveying why you are not a jerk, uh, but if you're you, a jerk, then I haven't bought your stakes. Really? Yeah. Like if someone just like like okay, classic example of someone who has a breakup story and they tell you about how crazy their girlfriend is the whole time then like i don't care well sure but that but then but then they haven't been they that they've made themselves not likable they haven't what, they what, haven't set any emotional stakes okay but so theoretically in this story um if jake uh had you know had walked outside killed a puppy and then gone to try to get and then had then gone to get his you know his the bed replaced and fixed there would be no you wouldn't necessarily he would still be very effectively being like, oh, yeah, he really needs that this bed to be fixed because he has high personal stakes in this. But he had no personal stakes in his killing that puppy earlier, so I don't care about whether he has stakes in this because he killed a puppy. Well, it depends on how the puppy died. I mean, this example is fabricated, but there are a lot of different ways that you could kill a puppy that would totally make me root for you. Okay, okay, first of all, please tell me one of those stories. Okay, um, you're crying and you're driving and you don't see the dog and then you hit it. Okay, yeah, but that's devastating. Yeah, I know. But then you still, but then, but then you, then you're still sad about killing the puppy. What if you? How, how you do you? You didn't say that someone went out and maliciously and intentionally killed the puppy. But you're still ignoring the central part, part of my argument. Right, but if you maliciously and intentionally kill a puppy, 
then you probably also don't have good empathy. And so you're not going to be able to convey to me the real feelings that you feel later. Like the person that does that isn't the same person that creates an emotional moment that I can feel. Okay, but I still feel like we haven't got to the, the central crux of our argument. Well, I mean, okay, so you're suggesting that somebody can just make themselves likable. Well, no. Like, that sounds really shallow. No, I'm not saying that they can, like, I'm not saying they can make, oh, I think, yes, someone can make themselves likable. Um, I'm just, and I also think it's important then to convey stakes. I'm just saying that what, what the, what the, what, um, Jake really excels at in the story and what well, excels in both stories because this other story that he told earlier which I have on the previous podcast in which he's a sea captain um, is the same sort of thing like he gets you on side so quickly mm-hmm. that I mean, then, like he's adorable yeah exactly like I'm not saying that he's not yeah and, but I, and, I, and I think that I think that that's the central that's what makes like you know there, there are many other stories that people really effectively create okay here's a great example my brother's story uh-huh uh, he does a very good job in conveying stakes relatively in that story. I didn't understand them at all. Like, I mean, you'll recall that in that, your brother's first story, like I had a really strong negative emotional reaction to the draft right. because I didn't understand what was at stake for him. Okay. So, but the, the final version, like, the, like it's pretty clear that like what's at like, okay, fine. You just never bought it. Fine. Um, but like, there's just like this, like there's a, I think there's a you can definitely convey stakes without tr- without being a, a likable character. Like all anti-heroes have stakes who are not likable characters. That's the whole point of anti-heroes. Um and so do you not do you not like anti-heroes? I don't understand like Okay, so I just can think of a lot more stories of people who got me to like them right away where the story never became anything. Like I don't like I agree that he does that. I don't think that's why I like listening to his story because I've heard so many stories that are like that. Where I'm like, yeah, this person's pretty likable. And also they just talked for eight minutes and I didn't care about any of it. Whereas there have also been people where I'm like, I never want to meet you. And also you just took me on an emotional ride that I really cherished. So, but, so, but you're saying that what he, what actually, so the, the argument is that, that that's what makes the story, Jake's stories be, better. Is that he, like that? He, the emotional stakes for me are what make it. Okay, so I, like I don't care if I like him or not. He could start out by being kind of he could start out by like being kind of shitty about the girlfriend and then it becomes more about his like social anxiety stuff and that would be enough for me. Even if he wasn't like also I adore this girl and I'm really delightful. If he were like mom I was kind of a dick for a long time because I have social anxiety and here's this woman that I treated really poorly and then I broke her bed. And Which then isn't what we're saying about Jake by the no, way. No, well that's not what the story is, but yeah. like this is an alternate telling of that story. Right. Um this is the anti-hero telling of that story. Right. And then he like goes and then he has that same moment. Like that moment for me is like a crystal clear picture of what it feels like to be socially anxious in a moment like that. I don't know. Like to me, I didn't, I guess like maybe, maybe, it, maybe this speaks fundamentally to how we listen to stories differently. <laughs> because or like move through the world. Yeah. To some extent, because you know, I, like even his first story is a better example of this, to be honest, which is that there's, while I understood the emotion he was putting, the stakes that were in that story, I didn't feel them in that first story, but it was just a fun story, but someone I really liked. I felt and, so stressed out the first time I heard that story. I was like, oh my God, I can't even handle how stressful this situation is. We should explain What's the story. What's going to happen? <laughs> Well, he's in a boat. He's in a boat, yeah. And there's a storm. <laughs> That's the story. He's in a boat. <laughs> Paul is now quite just, just rubbing his head. Um, so, like, so maybe, like, 
I don't know. This is interesting to me because I think. Well, it's not like a resolvable thing because it's right. just the experience of listening. Right. Um, but and I'm, empathy. I, sure. But like, but both of these are empathetic. Like both, both of these are, 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 are. What I'm saying is that because I've never seen you cry, I don't think that you are able to <laughs> practice empathy. I should probably go to some sort of men's retreat. Maybe where, where I could cry. All men can cry. Yeah. That's I, I look forward to any opportunity. I don't know where it could come from, but I look forward to an opportunity to go to a men's retreat where I can cry. But on an unrelated note, I love name suggestions for men's retreats where men who have trouble crying can cry. Men who have trouble crying? Yeah. <laughs> oh, dear. Oh, dear. San Francisco, I'm sorry. Um, it's going to be great, hypothetically. Anyway, hypothetically great. Okay, so, yeah, I'm not actually saying that I, do, that I think that yours isn't empathy-related. Well, I know, I know. Um, so, okay, so I'll, I'll, I'll fully attribute my point because I feel like it may, perhaps some part of this podcast should be useful for somebody. Because uh, I think that maybe perhaps at the end we can both give tips on how we think Jake successfully does this in, 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 in both our array ways we think he succeeded. Yeah. Um, and then we can end the podcast because at this point everyone's just mad at us. Yeah. Uh, you gave up on the voice a long time ago too. I gave up the voice immediately. <laughs> uh, you were in a middle voice for a while though. Was I really? Yeah, like you're just speaking with your normal voice now. But after we discussed the voice, you were still not speaking with your normal voice. Well, I, I was self-conscious. <laughs> Now I'm going to cry. <laughs> and you'll feel empathy. Yeah. I will gently tap you on the <laughs> shoulder. I'm glad that's, that's, that's what you're offering, everyone. Yeah. like Gentle shoulder taps. Yeah, but like this. Like, they can't see that. I know. I was going to describe it. Okay. So my hand is open, but all of my fingers are touching and like a paddle. I have a paddle for a hand. I think this is officially our worst podcast. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm not even drunk this time. Okay, uh, Never so drunk. that's a good point. Um, okay, so uh, what I think, what I think Jake does really well uh, is very early on give you a sense of who he is, uh, and very early on creates a, a character of himself. You know, mm-hmm. you get, you understand who's going through this world, so you understand how they're interacting with the world. You understand, like he's a very effective person who makes himself a character and and a, and a relatable character. Um, really, really quickly, mm-hmm. uh, without having to sort of you know explain his whole backstory. It's just like this is happening, and you don't even realize he's doing it. But suddenly, you sort of you get a sense of who Jake is, mm-hmm. um, and you like him uh, because well, he's likable. Mm-hmm. Uh, most of this is just most of this progress now is praising Jake, uh, but you're welcome, Jake. Thanks for all your hard work. Yeah, um, and and I think that's and I think it's hard to do sometimes. And I think what's funny also as a complete aside, which I'm realizing right now, is something I sort of stopped doing in stories forever ago because I've written so many of them. I just presume you know who the fuck I am, but no one necessarily does. That's true. And yet I'm just completely giving, giving like up on It's like you're tired of explaining yourself. You're like, you're tired of reading the explanation of yourself. So yeah. you assume that everyone else is too. But yeah, but no one, but, but half the they, audience yeah, is know. different every month. And right. so they're, they don't must be perpetually confused by who I am. Yeah. I'm sorry, audience. I'm sorry. Yeah. Uh, so anyways, tips on how to prevent, pr- pr- provide stakes. Yeah. That's a pitch to you. That's right. It. Okay. I think that the way that you do that is, well, present what part of your identity is at stake, first of all, which is something that I think Jake does well. His first story is more about identity than this one, but he's just describing physically the ways that he's feeling kind of rejected by strangers, which you can understand. Like, 
give it a name, give it a specific description of what this feeling would look like. Like if someone told you, you're an adult, why are you wearing a Spider-Man t-shirt? I mean, maybe you wouldn't care, but also maybe you would personalize that. Like, give, they didn't say that. No, I know, but he imagines that. Right, okay, I see. Like him imagining that gives us all the opportunity to imagine what it would be like for someone to actually express that to you. Like it's a stand-in for that guy just being like, you're a bad adult or whatever. So I think that that kind of specificity is helpful and also giving a background of whatever it is that makes you feel this way. So he starts by giving us a background. In addition to everything that you just described, he gives us a background about his just like relationship with social situations and how it's been kind of strained and that this is like, he's, this woman has opened up a window for him socially. And so just give people context for why something is at stake because they might not know until you tell them. So do you think uh, he affect do you think someone who had does not experience social anxiety would would was given enough context here to experience social anxiety i mean i don't know i i kind of part of me thinks that someone who's never experienced social anxiety could never have enough context like like it's hard to say right um but i don't think that's on jake i think that's on like oh yeah it's on jake you can't blame jake yeah people not yeah from my own experience of trying to explain like what it felt like to be grieving there's just like a certain wall when you're trying to explain a feeling that someone has literally never felt or never felt whispers of not everyone's ever going to get it until they've experienced whispers of it um so i think that storytelling is powerful because if they've if they've got a hint of it then it will activate that but i'm not confident that if they're like Nope, I don't get it. I don't get why that's a big deal. Like, there, that could just be the case. Right. Okay. Uh, so for my tips on how to make, uh, at least how to convey yourself as a somewhat likable human being. Stefan's tips. Um, <laughs> that makes me uncomfortable. That really does. Uh, let's not use my pitch at the beginning of this uh, for this show, please. <laughs> um, so the... <laughs> sorry. Um, so my, so I think the real, the real parts of this that, uh, that I would say are not completely lost from train of thought. Um, so your suggestions for making yourself likable. Oh yeah. Well, not even just this, like, like, you know, likable is a, I think, I think part of it is, 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 is how you present, to be honest. I think a part of it is just being an open presenter. I think if you're, if you're to some extent, if you haven't practiced your story enough to be, to be sort of a little more open and how you're present, actually speaking when you're out there, you people will have a harder time relating to you. And Jake is quite good at sort of, you know, at, at being like an engaging presenter. And being an engaging presenter actually makes you more likable. Mm-hmm. Without anything else you're doing, without any writing you're actually doing, just being prepared and, or even like, like you'd be less prepared but faking it in, or like just like, just being just like engaging mm-hmm. uh, or talking louder and looking at people. And that's like just, you know, doing any version of attempting to present well people will make like you more that. likable. Yeah. Um, and then I think the, the other last, the other part is it was really just creating some sort of understanding of who, uh, of, 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 of like, you know, of, 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 of who you are, uh, you know, and, and, and it doesn't matter whether or not, like, I think to some extent you can be, if you're open and honest about your faults, that's still a totally respectable thing that people will understand. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, it's just trying, it's being open and honest with the audience about who you are. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and really setting the, and, and explaining to yourself, like, this, this is what I am. Um, and, uh, or, or just, or honestly just conveying your thoughts in experience. Like, I, I don't, like, it, just, it really just has to be authenticity, I think, in some extent. If you're, if you're an authentic person, it just matters, almost doesn't matter what you're saying about yourself. 
It's just, just being authentic is likable. Uh, and, and then you can go from there. So that's the end of this podcast. Thank you for listening. If you made it this far, uh, kudos. Uh, yeah, you guys really nailed it. Thanks, Paula said we nailed it. Uh, so I if you wanna, if you wanna, I for one believe him. If you wanna, if you wanna uh, tweet hashtag Team Brienne to agree with Brienne or hashtag Team Paul to agree with me, uh, please do. Uh, and uh, great, thanks for listening to the stories we don't Those tell. Those are definitely hashtags we'll be searching later. Yeah, I really want to know what hashtag Team Paul actually says, though. You can tweet at us as well, so we can see it. That seems reasonable. Yeah, because hashtag Team Paul by itself probably means something already. Definitely, it's so probably we, on McCartney. I think Paul McCartney. You know, someone probably did like a "Who's your favorite Beatle?" hashtag Team Paul. <laughs> Just wrap it up. <laughs> <laughs> so thank you for listening to Stories We Don't Tell podcast. Thank you for listening. You can find us online at thereapers.org because we're in the life collecting business. You can like us at facebook.com slash stories we don't tell podcast. If you want to help us out, you can rate and review us on iTunes. Thanks to Rayana for the theme music to this podcast. You can find out more about her in the show notes or at rayana.ca. This episode of the Stories We Don't Tell podcast is brought to you by nonsensical Twitter polls that no one will ever tabulate the results for. Which is all Twitter polls. Yeah, except for the ones that use the poll tool because then they're tabulated automatically. We could use that. Yep.